Lasting Love Podcast, presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love Podcast. I am Roy, your host, and I don't know how you're going to feel about this one. All right. (laughs) If I had a prayer, it would be that this particular episode would become my most downloaded because the subject is unbelievably important. But I'm pretty positive that it will probably be your least favorite. So right at the outset, I am going to congratulate you for even attempting to listen to what I have to say on the topic of relationship completion. It really is one of the most important things to consider if you want to attract lasting love. And yet it is going to be really hard to swallow. This one, the ego is going to fight cat and dog. I mean, it's this is going to be met with a lot of resistance within you. So that means that I need to spend some time in the beginning here of telling you not only what does it mean to be relationally incomplete, but I need to spend some time convincing you of how important this is. And because if you really get how important it is, even though it's going to be such an uncomfortable thing to consider, you will take action on it. All right. So the title of this podcast is Relationship Completion, Making Space for Love to Appear. Okay? That subtitle is really what it's all about. You know, as I talk about attracting lasting love here on this podcast, if you've listened to many episodes, you know that I focus more on how we sabotage ourselves from experiencing love and intimacy, more than I focus on where to go and how to find someone and what to say and all of that. So the reason for that is, is because I've just worked with too many people and I've looked at my own life and I've just been around the block so many times that I recognize that love is sort of the nature of reality. You know, it's like a fish looking for water. Now you're in it. It's all around you. Um, there are people in relationships all around you. People meet each other. They like each other. They get together. It's really not that unusual. And so if it's not happening, it really isn't because you don't know where to go on a Saturday night 
or you don't know how to approach or how to get someone to approach you or what to say or how to flirt. I mean, those things are, yeah, they're important, I suppose. But the reason you're single and you don't want to be single is probably because you're sabotaging yourself in ways that you're not even aware of. In other words, you're blocking love rather than opening up and making yourself available to it. So really this podcast is quite a bit about what does it mean to be emotionally available? And that's a phrase we all throw around. Usually we throw that at men. Men are not emotionally available and that's true. Sometimes they're not. But when you understand what it means to be complete, you're going to see that this has nothing to do with masculine or feminine or men or women or any of that. It really transcends all that. Being relationally complete means that there's space in your heart for someone to get in there. (laughs) It means you're emotionally available. (laughs) Uh, This podcast is going to originally air somewhat near the Christmas season. And so we could describe this as like the Christmas story set of Jesus, you know, um, there was no room in the inn. Well, in a sense, for many of us, the reason why we're single or the reason why we're not making connections with people or the reason why relationships aren't progressing and growing and deepening and lasting is because there's no room in your heart. Somebody's still in there. Somebody's still living in there. Is that possible? That's what we're going to explore. We're going to explore, explore if there is space in your heart for someone new. And if not, and I would say I'm guessing for 80% of the people listening to this podcast, there is not space in your heart for someone new. Someone is still living in there. And we're going to talk about how to know if there's space in your heart and how to clean it out so that you have an open and available heart so that there is room in the inn for someone new. But again, you got to buckle up here because we're going to talk about some very deep and complicated and kind of scary things. So let me begin by giving you a quote from Nelson Mandela. Now, I don't know, most people probably know who he is, but he was a South African black man and he spent a lot of his life fighting apartheid, right? Their version of racism and all of that stuff. And, um, you know, back then, South Africa responded to him by putting him in jail for 27 years. Not for committing crimes or murder or, you know, hurting people, robbing people, raping people. No, no. He was just speaking out against apartheid. And they put him in jail for 27 years. 27 years. Not 27 months. Not 27 days. 
27 years. Here's a quote from him that he was, uh, that he said when he finally got out of jail, he said this, as I walked out the door toward my freedom, I knew that if I did not leave all the anger, hatred, and bitterness behind, that I would still be in prison. There's some wisdom that. There's some wisdom there. All right. So let me begin this conversation and sort of answer. Well, there's four questions I'm going to basically answer here. What is it? What is relationship completion? What do I mean by it? I'm going to define it. I'm also going to talk about why it's important. We're going to talk about how to know if you're relationally incomplete or how to know if someone else is relationally incomplete. And right there, I should stop and say, I kind of want you to be hearing what I'm going to say on this topic from two perspectives. The first and foremost is about yourself. Are you relationally complete? Are, is there space in your heart for love to appear? But I sort of also want you to have an ear out for learning about this so that you might be able to determine if the person you're seeing or dating or starting to see or interested in to know if they are relationally incomplete. Because if you like them, you may want to take up residence in their heart. But if they don't have space for love to appear, you're going to have a lot of drama and difficulty relating with someone who is incomplete. So everything I'm going to say here could be applied to you or it could be thought of in terms of is the other person complete? And both are really important. Because if your heart doesn't have space, you're not going to connect in a meaningful way. And if the person you're you're interested in doesn't have the space, it's not going to have a connection in a meaningful way, a lasting way, a healthy way. So we're going to talk about, you know, from both of those perspectives. But I want to encourage you to think mostly about yourself, right? The ego loves to be pointing the finger and are you complete? Are you complete? Are you open? Are you available? You know, is someone still stuck in your heart? It's really easy to kind of do that to others and maybe not turn the mirror and look at ourselves. Okay. So we're going to answer four questions. What is relationship incompletion? Why is it important? How to know if you or someone else is incomplete? And then lastly, how to get complete. Because if 80% of the people listening to this are probably not incomplete, well, I better tell you how to get there, right? And I'm going to do it. So now let me start by just saying this to you. You listening here, you might know that I've had like a double life most of my life. I've, I've almost kind of feel like I've lived two different lives. You know, I'm, I'm a coach. I'm a spiritual teacher. I've been interested in spiritual and relational and emotional dynamics ever since my late teenage years. This has always been a curiosity of mine. But I've also been a professional golfer since I graduated college. You know, I played on the PGA Tour. I've played against Tiger Woods and beat him in a major Right, I mean, I've, I still play in the summertime in my local area of Chicago. In fact, I was the senior player of the year in Illinois this year. 
So I still compete at a very high level um, and I'm a coach, right? So I've got these dual things going on. Now, all I, I bring that up just to let you know that I'm kind of an expert in sports psychology because I've been a professional athlete for 40 years, okay? Um, and I can tell you that if you ask any of the big-time sports psychologists to name the single greatest mental skill an athlete needs in order to perform at his or her best, nearly all of them would say it's the ability to approach the next shot, pitch, at bat, play, or point with a clean emotional slate. You get that? In other words, you have to approach the present moment without the slightest hint of negativity or attachment to the past. That's what it means to have a clean emotional slate. There is a past. Good things and bad things have happened but that can't be in your present awareness when you're doing your sport in this moment. You got to put that behind you so you're fully present here. So as important as that is in athletics, it's exponentially more important in your love life. If you are incomplete with former lovers, then you are sabotaging your ability to attract lasting love. And I use that heart space sort of metaphor to explain it. If somebody's still in your heart, well, then there's no room for somebody else. They're going to bump into them, <laughs> you could say. Okay. So with that, here's how I define being relationally incomplete. What it means to be incomplete with a former lover means to have an ongoing negative or positive relationship with an ex. Whether you personally interact with them regularly or not. Do you get that? It's an ongoing positive or negative relationship with an ex, whether or not you still see them or talk to them or whether or not they're even alive. So I sometimes put it playfully like this. If you still want to kiss or kill a former lover, you're incomplete. Right? Because in either case, there's a strong energetic charge towards them. And consequently, you're still involved with them. Do you get that? You may or may not see them or talk to them. But energetically, you're still involved with them. They're taking up heart space. And therefore, there's no room for anyone else. Now, I want to jump right into why is this important? And I think you sort of already understand it, that if you're still involved with someone whether you're still like bitter and angry and upset and blaming and and raging or, you know, or, or grieving or missing or longing for or wanting to get back with or, right, it, 
if you're hung up on someone with positive feelings or negative feelings, right? It's like you're involved with them. And if you're involved with someone, you're not really available to be involved with someone else. You can't have a, a menage a trois in this regard. <laughs> you can't be involved with two people. <laughs> your, your heart's only got space for for one. So if you're involved with someone from the past, you know, with bitterness or you still love them and miss them and want to get back with them and all of that, then, you know, there's nothing wrong with either of those, right? I, I'm not saying that you're bad or you're wrong or something for being in that condition. I'm just saying that it keeps you from being truly available for love because your heart is filled with that person. Now, having that happen will produce a number of important dangers. And the first is when you're incomplete with former lovers, you know, it means you're holding on to the past. You're, you're keeping it alive. And so I call it this way. It's called it, 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 the first thing here, the first danger of all of this is it means your projections will reign. Your projections will reign. See, when the, when the past is alive in you, it causes you to project your past onto any new potential partner. You're not seeing the new partner for who they are. You're seeing them through the lens of your past, right? We've talked about this before in other podcasts about letting go of the past. But if previous partners have been untrustworthy, if they've deceived you, if they've cheated on you, if they've lied to you, then you're going to approach the next relationship with a guarded prove yourself to me suspicion. And that that energy can be felt and it will be a turnoff. And the result is you'll chase away the very people that you most want to attract, right? Because good partners, partners of some depth and character, the kind you're interested in, they'll be able to feel that you're still hung up in the past. And so you're, you'll, you'll be projecting your fear onto them, which will make you suspicious or guarded or standoffish or it'll make you take a relationship too slow, right? And you're going to end up turning off the people that you're actually attracted to, okay? So the first danger is your projections will reign. Um, the second danger, maybe you don't really realize this, um, is that your partners will replicate, your partners will replicate. You know, it's like the universe is really wanting you to grow and evolve and they bring partners into our lives and, and experiences and situations to teach us things. And if we don't learn from them, if we don't grow from them, if we don't process the, the person and the experiences, we the universe will bring the same thing to us sometimes over and over again because we haven't learned the lesson. So there's a tendency when you're hanging on to the past to attract partners who are similar to your ex. And then thirdly, your patterns will repeat, right? Because if you attract partners similar to your exes, 
then you're going to have some of the same patterns repeat, correct? You're going to get in what I call relationship groundhog day syndrome. It was beautifully illustrated in that movie. Bill Murray's character, Phil Connors, was not allowed to experience a new day until he made peace with the previous one. Let me say that again. (laughs) Phil Connors, Bill Murray, was not allowed to experience a new day until he made peace with the previous one. Okay, Until he was complete with the previous day. He wasn't allowed to experience a new relationship, you could say. And then lastly, your power will re- be reduced. When you're, when you're hung up on someone, when you're still wanting to kiss or kill a former lover, your attraction power is diminished, diminished right? Doesn't that make sense? Because your energy is being used toward that former relationship. And so your attraction power isn't available. So like for men, you know, what makes a man truly attractive? You know, it's more than his appearance or sense of humor or financial status. It's deeper qualities like his clarity, his presence, his openness, right? But when a man is incomplete, his clarity is fuzzy, his presence is distracted, his heart is kind of closed. Right? He's not magnetic or attractive. And for women, when women are incomplete, has a similar impact on your attraction power because true attraction, attractiveness is far deeper than conventional beauty. It's, it, it's the feminine playfulness, sensuality, and vulnerability. Right? It's, it's your inner beauty or what I call your radiance, the inner energy. And when you're still energetically involved with an ex, you know, your shine is going to be darkened and your radiance is going to be reduced. Okay, so did I make a pretty good case there why you should take this seriously, right? If you're still incomplete with a former lover, if you're still wanting to kiss or kill, if you're still involved, Your projections will reign, your partners will replicate, your patterns will repeat, and your power will reduce. Okay? If that doesn't convince you to take this seriously, then I don't don't know what can. (laughs) Okay? So I'm going to assume that you're ready to go. So let's kind of go into the uglier part now, and let's try to figure out if you are incomplete or not. Let's have a conversation about what does it mean, you know, what are the, I could call it the ABCs of being incomplete. You know, what, what does it mean? Well, simply put, you are incomplete if you are involved with someone emotionally, physically, or logistically, or any combination of the three, okay? You're incomplete if you're still involved. Well, what does that mean, still involved? Well, you can be involved emotionally. You can be involved physically. And you can be involved logistically. Okay, so let me break those down for you. Okay? Emotional incompletion is by far the most common one. Okay? And so it demands the most attention. So there's two parts to being emotionally involved 
and therefore incomplete. You can be either attached or you can be bitter. Okay? That's attached is I still want to kiss him. Bitter is I want to kill him. Okay? So let's talk about attachment. Here's the deal. If you're still hung up on, in love with, missing, wanting, or grieving a former lover, you are emotionally attached and therefore incomplete. There's no room in your heart for someone new. It doesn't matter whether you have an actual contact with them or not. They may have passed away, but if you're still emotionally involved with them, your heart space is occupied. And again, this isn't wrong or bad. It's just something to be faced. Okay? So let me read you a list of bullet points here uh, that I've jotted down to kind of give you a feel of what I mean by being emotionally attached. Okay? Most of these I know from my own personal experience. Okay, you're you're talking to someone who spent a long time relationally incomplete after my divorce and after my ex-fiance broke up with me. Okay? I got online and started dating and interacting with women and stuff, but I was not really available. There was no space in my heart for a new woman that I met because I was still, I was kind of both wanting to kiss and kill my ex at the same time. I mean, you, you can sort of have both at once, and I did. And so a lot of these bullet points are things that, that were just evidenced in my own life, Okay. See if there's anything, think of an ex in your life, maybe an ex-husband, ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend. Think of all your significant relationships. And maybe I should define what I mean by a former lover. I mean, you know, someone that you were, you were really close to, right? It's not someone you dated for a week or two. I'm talking about people that you had some long-term relationships with, at least six months. You know what I mean? So, we're talking about relationships of significance. We're not talking about all the people you've dated once online. Okay, um, You might have liked someone and it didn't work out and wish that they would have called you back. Or you might have been on a date with the person two or three times and they did something and you're like, oh, I hate you. You're like, you're disgusting. I mean, you know, but there wasn't the depth of the connection that, that that person would really take up residence in your heart. You may remember them fondly or you know otherwise, but we're, we're talking about some significant relationships here now. Okay, um, like for me, I've I've really only had four significant relationships in my life. My first wife, my rebound relationship, which turned into my engagement, so my fiance. Then there was a relationship I had with a woman for four months. It was intense and drama-filled, so I count it. And then my relationship with my current wife. Okay? I've dated lots of women in between there. I mean, there, there's, I don't know, dozens, probably dozens of women that I have connected with and gone out with. But only four have really ever got into my heart. Okay? So... Here's how you kind of give me, I'm going to give you some bullet points on how to know if you're still emotionally attached. First, if your ex is a central topic of conversation with friends, family, a coach, God, or even people you date, you're still incomplete. If you're still talking about them all the time, you're incomplete. Second, if you miss them and you want them back, 
you're incomplete. They're still in your heart. If you still cry sometimes when you think of them or your relationship, if you get emotional, that's not bad or wrong. It just means you're not done with them. You're still involved with them. If you rehash and relive your relationship with them in your mind over and over and over again, you're kind of a, you know, kind of obsessive thinking, then that just means that person's still in your heart. Okay. If you masturbate or fantasize about them or to things you've done with them, that just means they're still in your heart, right? You're still hung up on them. If you follow them on social media and maybe stalk them, you're always checking up on them and seeing what they're doing. Or if you drive past their home or their work, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, that if you're keeping an eye on them, well, you're, they're still in your heart. You're still hung up on them. If they're the last thought of your day and the first thought in the morning, because that was my issue. (laughs) That just means you're still hung up on them. If you have a bunch of pictures of them or they're still in your wallet or your purse, okay, that means you're holding on to the past. You're still stuck there. If there's a shrine of sorts in your home concerning them, this often happens when somebody passes away. They keep uh, they keep a lot of uh, pictures and maybe artifacts and different things because a partner or a spouse has passed. And again, there's nothing wrong with that at all. It, it, but what's going to happen when a new person walks in your house and sees all that? Don't you think they're going to say, are you available to connect with me or are you still processing your grief? You follow me? Okay. So there are two issues to know if you're incomplete. One is if you're still you know, attached or in love with or wanting to kiss a former ex. But the second one is bitterness. A second manifestation of being incomplete is sort of the opposite. It's feeling bitter and angry towards a former lover. It's hostility and hate and resentment and blame and holding a grudge and bad-mouthing them to your kids, taking them to court out of spite, seeking financial punishment or revenge, and even gossiping about them. All that stuff is sure signs you're still involved with them. Right. In other words, when there's drama between the two of you or merely in your own heart, you're incomplete. Either situation leaves no space in your heart for someone new. Okay. Again, that isn't bad. You just have to ask if it's true. Because we've all been on dates, haven't we, where the other person drones on and on about what a bitch or a bastard their ex was. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, well, they're not in love with them, that's for sure. In fact, they hate their guts. But either way, they're not free of them. Both are equally dangerous signs of incompletion because, you know, they're still involved. So here's the principle. When you're truly complete with a former lover, you feel mostly indifferent or neutral towards them, wanting neither to kiss them or kill them. So... Ask yourself, are you incomplete with someone? Are you um, are you ready for something real? You follow me? Okay. Okay, so let's go deeper now. 
Um, we talked about emotional incompletion, but you can be, you can still be involved physically, right? So let's talk about physical incompletion. And that's the second way that you can sabotage your ability to attract lasting love is if you're physically still involved with a former lover, okay? And at first glance, it seems pretty obvious if you're still hooking up with your ex, you're, you're still involved with them, right? But a lot of people don't see it that way. I've had a number of clients who believe that as long as they're not dating anyone, they don't see a problem with hooking up with an ex every so often or having a friends with benefits type of relationship. The perspective is, if I'm not cheating on anyone, what's the harm? And I'll stop seeing them as soon as I meet someone. Now, of course, I have no moral issue with hooking up with an ex or having casual sex. I mean, none whatsoever. I don't think it's, I don't really think it's ultimately satisfying, but I have no moral qualms about it. However, if you agree with the perspective that there's no harm in hooking up with an ex, as long as you're not dating anyone, you've completely missed the point of this podcast. Because what I'm saying is you're energetically involved, you're hooking up, and that's going to affect your ability to attract someone else. This idea that, oh, I'll kind of st still be getting a little sex or a little you know, connection with someone through a friends with benefits or hooking up with an ex now and then, but I'm totally available for a new relationship. No, you're not. If you're in, involved in a friends with benefits thing, you're sabotaging your ability to meet someone new because through the casual sex, the friends with benefits or even hooking up with an ex, you're, you're satisfying a yearning. You're, um, yeah, you're, you're taking away the hunger pain. Do you follow me? You're satisfying yourself in some way. And when you're going through life and you're feeling sort of satisfied, um, you, you don't exude the same energy. You don't exude the same, oh, I'm so ready for the right person. Oh, I'm so longing to be taken, to be met heart to heart because you're you're getting a little on the side do you follow me so you're you're and please don't tell me if you're just hooking up with someone it's just sex it's not there's emotions involved in that and they're they're in your heart and it's going to sabotage you okay so this this I'll go one step further even if there's no sexual relationship, if you are having personal, intimate conversations, connecting with an, an ex in a way that goes way beyond simple financial or childcare issues, you're still involved. Now, there may be some special circumstances that we could discuss, okay? But basically, if you're communicating with on an emotional level or consummating with a former lover or ex or friends with benefits, you're still involved with them and there's no room in your heart for, for a new relationship. Okay? So now how are you doing? Are you incomplete? Is there someone in your heart 
taking up space because we've covered the emotional realm and the physical realm. But lastly, let's talk about the logistical realm. You can be emotionally incomplete, physically incomplete, or logistically incomplete. If logistical matters like finances, property, animals, children, visitation, if they're not settled and separated by clear boundaries, you're incomplete and still involved. If you have ongoing drama and confusion concerning matters like that, it saps your energy and clutters your heart space. Listen, I have a friend who has not lived with his ex for years. But they're still not officially divorced because he wants to stay on her insurance. Now, this isn't bad or wrong, but would any woman in her right mind seriously date a man in that situation? Logistically, he's still involved with her. A similar situation happens when a divorced couple's house is underwater. They don't want to take a huge financial hit by selling it, which I understand. So they continue living together, albeit in separate bedrooms. Again, this isn't bad or wrong. It's just a situation that a wise person would stay away from because the relationship is ongoing and logistically incomplete. So I encourage my clients to evaluate all these kind of things, including if they um, have any items, clothing, um, pictures, jewelry, beds, cars, or even houses that keep the past alive by triggering sadness or attachment. Those things might need to be discarded. You need to evaluate every item that you own and see, does it, does it twinge me? Does it give me an energetic charge, positive or negative? Like for, for example, you know, my fiance, my ex-fiance had bought me a pair of jeans, okay? She said they made me look really good, especially in the crotch area, okay? I'll just admit that to you. That's how couples flirt and they're sexy together. And she bought me a pair of jeans because it made my butt and my front look nice, okay? I had to get rid of them because they reminded me of her. Every time I put them on, I felt sad. But she also bought me a watch. That didn't trigger me. It's just a watch. So I didn't get rid of that because it didn't mean anything, right? So there are no rules here. You just need to think about your freedom. And if there are any items or things that trigger something or feel like they keep you attached, then you might need to let them go, okay? So that's how to know if you or someone else is incomplete and really not emotionally available, are you emotionally attached by wanting to kiss or kill? Are you physically involved with them, either just by communication and emotional connection or by physical consummating sex? And then lastly, logistically, you meet someone who's still all wrapped up in their divorce and dealing with their land and property and animals and children and visitation, and they're just in it and they're in court and they're fighting and battling. I, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm, I would just stand back from that and say, Ooh, is this person really ready to open their heart to me into a new relationship or are they still too involved? And all that might require is just some time. 
You might need to tell someone, listen, man, I'm really into you, but you know, call me in three months. You know, I don't know if I'll be available. I don't know what's going to happen with you, but I don't feel comfortable pursuing this relationship with what's going on in your life concerning your former ex or you know partner or whatever. So wrap that up, put your attention there, clean that up, deal with that. And then when the bow is tied on that baby, all right, call me. Maybe we can start fresh when our, our hearts are really available. Does that make sense? Okay. Now we go to our last thing here um, and we get into the really the difficult waters and that is, you know, how do you, how do you get complete if you're not? Okay. How do you get complete if you're not? There are three steps and they sort of build on each other. You can't do the second step until you do the first step and you can't do the third step without doing the first two steps. So they kind of build on each other and this is where it gets kind of sticky. This is where you might say, ooh, this is an important podcast, but I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like this one. I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't think this is right. I don't think this is true. This is where you might start to argue with me um, about this, all right? So here are the three steps to getting complete. Number one, you have to take healthy responsibility with the emphasis on healthy. I'll describe what that means. You have to take healthy responsibility. Number two, you have to give healthy forgiveness. Okay? Again, the word healthy is the important word there. And three, you have to have a healthy completion conversation, right? You may very well have to have a final conversation with an ex to finally be complete. But it's got to be a healthy one. There's some boundaries on that. There are some things I'm going to tell you about that. But you got to take responsibility. You got to give forgiveness. And you have to have a healthy completion conversation. Okay? So let me give you an example of how taking responsibility, you know, can open your heart and free you and make you complete. I had a client, I'll call her Karen. It's not a real name. Um, Karen came to work with me because she and her ex were in so much drama that it was scaring away the men she was dating. Okay? And rightly so. You know, they shared joint custody of their son and whenever they interacted with each other, it got really ugly and nasty. The other men saw the ongoing drama, didn't want any part of it. And really, frankly, she couldn't blame them. And that's why she came to me for help. The drama between Karen and her ex stemmed from his long-held belief that even though they had been married for over 10 years, she had never gotten over her ex-boyfriend and she still loved him. In his mind, their marriage failed because her heart was never truly his. For years, she denied this, of course, and instead blamed the demise of their marriage on his anger issues. Right? Now, after a couple of sessions with Karen, I finally said, do you think your ex could be right? Do you still love your ex-boyfriend? Is it possible that your heart was never truly his? There was a long silence on the phone. <laughs> and then I heard the word, yes. And I admired her for the honesty. Uh, I said, Karen, if you want to end the drama between you and your ex-husband... 
and not have this issue chase away another good man, then you have to go to him and tell him to his face that he was right. You have to own up to the fact that your feelings for your ex-boyfriend sabotaged your relationship and that the two of you really never had a chance because of it. And of course, there was more silence. I could tell the ego was kicking in. What about his anger issues? She said, our problems weren't all my fault. And I said, granted, yeah, perhaps he does have anger issues. But how much of his anger came from feeling you were still involved with someone else and wouldn't admit it? And she, you know, courageously said, you know, probably a lot of it. (laughs) I said, yeah, tell him that too. Tell him that you understand how your feelings for your ex-boyfriend made him crazy with jealousy and anger. And then, of course, your ego still fought, right? He's going to say, I told you so, and I can't stand the thought of him being right and rubbing it in my face. And I said, Karen, do you want to be right or do you want peace and the possibility of a new relationship? Of course, it's not all your fault. Your relationship was co-created like every other relationship. But you have to be willing to own the fact that without your part, the relationship would never have gone as it did. And to her credit, Karen decided to have that completion conversation with her ex. And at first, he did spew his anger at her, but eventually he calmed down and their relationship has drifted dramatically. And as far as I know, this has been probably eight years ago that this happened. Her and her ex are still cordial. They're not chummy. I mean, they're not buddies, but they're cordial. And she's been able to create a new relationship. Okay, so the first step in being complete is to take healthy responsibility for for, for any attachment or bitterness that exists within you. It, it It's really about asking yourself, what was my part in what happened? And recognizing if I didn't do my part, it could never have gone as it went. See, relationships are like making a stew. I think I've shared this kind of metaphor with you before. It's like you're making a stew together. You're both throwing in your ingredients, right? Your blind spots, your your neurosis, your your personas, your past, right? No judgment there. I've done it. Uh, Everybody's done it. But a relationship is like you're making a stew and you're both putting your ingredients in there and it makes it taste nasty, Right? Taking responsibility is the recognition that it wasn't all your fault. You both were throwing your junk in there, but you recognize, you know, without my ingredients, without me doing that, believing that, being caught up on that, having that insecurity or that issue or that issue, oh, the stew would never have tasted like it did. I'm not saying the relationship would have worked out perfectly, but you recognize That without my ingredients, it could never have gone that way. So I take responsibility for how this relationship went. Okay? When you do that, you're starting to get complete. Because the second step is to give healthy forgiveness. And what is giving healthy forgiveness? It really is about recognizing that the two of you were putting your junk in the relationship that you were 
you were doing the best you could. You, you both were pretty unconscious of your, your ingredients. And forgiveness happens when it's like, well, why would I need to forgive you when I recognize that without what I did, it would never have turned out this way. So forgiveness sort of becomes a non-issue once you take responsibility. I mean, the only person you have to really forgive is yourself for not knowing that you were putting your ingredients in here and making the relationship go a certain way. But you didn't know you were doing it. You were just doing the best you could. And so it's the same way. So I often use the puppy metaphor. I think I've shared this before in another podcast, but you know who knows if you've listened to all my podcasts. So some of these powerful teaching illustrations I need to share repeatedly. So for the the best way to understand what healthy forgiveness is is by was with what I call the puppy metaphor. Okay? Now, what do I mean by that? Like if have you ever bought a puppy from a a litter or taking one home from a kennel or a shelter. Okay. What does the puppy do? Right. It pees on your carpet and chews on your shoes. Right. <laughs> That's what it does. Okay. Now you could be annoyed at that and it could be expensive depending on what kind of shoes you have and your carpeting. Right. But is the puppy being bad? Is it, it's not really being bad, is it? Isn't the puppy kind of acting in accordance with its level of maturity? Isn't it reflecting its level of consciousness, you could say, or understanding, right? The puppy's being a puppy. The puppy can't be more evolved than it is. It can't, it doesn't have the training yet, so it can't act trained. It's simply reflecting its level of maturity. You get it? So it might be annoying, but the puppy isn't being bad. It's, it's doing the only thing it can do. It doesn't know any better. So here's the punchline. Every human being in every moment, and that includes you and me, is just like that puppy. We're always acting and behaving in accordance with our level of maturity or our state of consciousness or our level of understanding. We're always doing the only things we know how to do. We can never act more evolved than we are. And you can't say, well, they are more evolved than that, but they just didn't show it. No, if they didn't show it, it's because they really weren't more evolved than that. You always act to your level of maturity. You don't act under it or over it. You, Whatever you do, your actions, your behaviors reflect your level of maturity. You can say things, you can believe things, you can think you understand things. But when the rubber hits the road and you do things, you make choices and decisions and behaviors, those come from what you – your actual maturity level, the real thing. So if everybody's doing their level of maturity, then how does that change the whole idea of forgiving someone or forgiving yourself? I mean do you have to forgive the puppy? For peeing on the carpet and chewing on the shoes? No. There's no forgiving the puppy. The, the puppy didn't do something wrong as if it could have done something different. It's just being itself. And that's the same way with us. It's not that we're doing the best we can. It's that we're doing the only thing that we can. You can only 
act and relate and make choices and decisions based upon your level of consciousness or understanding or maturity. This is why Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. See, he got this. He said, Father, they think they're doing the right thing. <laughs> forgive them. They don't, they don't see it. They don't, they're just being a puppy, peeing on the carpet, chewing on his shoes. Okay? That's healthy forgiveness. And then, you know, the, the, from there, you need to have a completion conversation. Okay? So let me just sum up real quick. You take healthy responsibility for this is how you get complete with your former lover. You look at the relationship and what happened. And if you're honest enough, you can look and see, well, here's what I brought to the table. Here's what I did or didn't do. Here were my personas, my personality blind spots, my childhood conditioning. You know, here's my neurotic stuff, my negativity, my beliefs, whatever it is. Here's my stuff. And boy, without any of that, we would never have got to where we were. In fact, we might, we may never have even started dating or we may never have even gotten married if I had not been doing what I was doing. Okay. So when you take, you know, healthy responsibility and you're not letting the other person off the hook, you know, they're responsible for things too, but you just know that what, without what I was doing, it never could have gone this way, regardless of what they were doing. It, It would never have ended up this way without my part. Well, then the whole forgiveness thing just falls apart. And all you got to really do is forgive yourself. It's like, oh, I was a puppy. I was chewing on the carpet, peeing on the shoes. I, I, I mean, chewing on, <laughs> chewing on the, the shoes and peeing on the carpet, right? I didn't know what I was doing. I was doing the best I knew how to do. I was blind to these things. I wasn't aware and, and so forth. And, and my partner, with all the crap they did, uh, they, they were just manifesting their level of maturity too. They, they, they weren't doing the best that they could. They were doing the only thing that they could. The decisions and choices they made were really given their their level of maturity, the, their backgrounds, their experiences. Of course, that's what they would do, right? So it's like, ah, Father, forgive us. We had no idea what we were doing, okay? So then when you see all this, then you need to have a conversation with them because you might have recognized something that you were responsible for that you've never shared with them. So when you have a completion conversation, you're not trying to get them to see their responsibility or to forgive you or something like that. The only reason you need to have one, and sometimes you might not need to have one, but the reason you would is because as you've looked at this relationship, if you have discovered some things about how you were responsible for how it went, if they've never heard you admit that to them, then confession is good for your soul. There's something that happens when you look somebody in the eye and say, I just want you to know that I've been reflecting on our relationship. And even though we, we had our dynamics, I recognize that I did this and this and this. And if I hadn't done that, man, we would have never ended up in the position we did. And I just simply own my part 
and I thought you might want to know what I see about myself. Okay? Now, you only have that conversation if you do, if you do discover some things that you're responsible for. And of course, I've never met someone that um, feels like they've known what they're responsible for and they have already told that person. Because if you already have, then you wouldn't be hung up on them. You wouldn't be incomplete. You wouldn't be still wanting to kiss them or kill them. Because that whole attachment or bitterness drops away once you take responsibility. Right? Now, I want to I want to give you just a little nitty-gritty on this. Okay, now and the first thing I want to say is we might need to have a conversation about this because there's lots of yeah buts. Okay, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna talk about the particulars of how to have this conversation. Okay? So I've already said what makes you need to have the conversation is if you have learned something about how you are responsible and you've never said it to the other person, okay? Then you need to have one. But now I'm going to talk, if you do, I want to give you some things to be thinking about on how to have this conversation because it could go bad. It could get nasty. So, uh, and this could lead to you wanting to have follow-up questions with me. Hey, Roy, you know, given my situation, I understand what you're saying, but what about this and what about that and what about that? And that's true. There are lots of caveats here. So I'm going to give you some general general things here. So I'm going to give you the who, what, when, where, and how of having a completion conversation. I've already answered the why you should have one <laughs> because you're incomplete and you're not able to open your heart to someone new because you're still involved with someone from the past. So who, what, when, where, and how to have completion conversations? Very quickly, who do you have a completion conversation with? Well, anybody that you've had a significant relationship with that you still feel a strong positive or negative charge towards. Usually it's the negative part. If you still have a positive charge, you're still wanting to be with them and stuff like that, then you probably should not initiate any conversation. You probably need to do a different kind of work to let go of your attachment, which I can help you with. Usually when you're having a completion conversation, there's some negative charge that's there and then you recognize, oh my God, here's my part and what I did and that changes all of that. And then confession's good for your soul and it's good for their soul to hear your reflections on how you take responsibility. Okay? So who do you have a completion conversation with? Well, any, any significant relationship you're still hung up on. What do you say in this conversation? Well, you share what you've learned about yourself. Okay? We've talked about that. And so first, yeah, you share anything you've learned about yourself. Secondly, you reveal any secrets you've kept from them. You cannot be complete with a former relationship if you have secrets. If you did something financially you did something sexually, you need to come clean. If you want to be complete, if you want to open your heart to someone new, then you need to confess your sins and deal with the consequences. Okay? So you share what you've learned. You reveal any secrets. You express what you appreciate about them. You know that you're complete when you can actually share some appreciations about them and your relationship. If for no other reason than what's happening right now, that you are noticing what your part was 
And so you appreciate them in the relationship for the learnings that you just got. And then fourth, if there are logistical matters to clear up, you address them and you clarify boundaries concerning your future contact and communication. Okay? When should you have this conversation? As soon as possible. Okay? But you probably should have a conversation with a wise, trusted friend or a coach first. Just get someone's feedback and ask them if they feel you're ready to do this because many people try to have these talks while they're still playing the victim when they haven't taken responsibility. They are still blaming the other bitch or bastard for what happened. And if you go in there to have a final conversation as a victim and they're the villain, you're just going to get in the drama and it's going to be a nightmare. Okay? So you might want to check with some impartial, wise person and say, I feel like I need to talk to this person again and 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 have a completion conversation and then give them some of the backstory and see if they say, Yeah, I think you're you're in a good place to do it. Okay. And again, I, I can help you with that if you want. Um, where do you have this conversation? Well, in person, face to face is preferable. But there are a number of caveats. Um, if you think it might get ugly or you feel like it could get violent or abusive or verbally abusive, then, you know, man, use the phone or send an email. Okay? If they've passed away, you can do role play with a friend or a coach, right? How does the conversation work, right? Hear me on this. The entire conversation from start to finish should take no longer than five minutes, five minutes tops. One of the principles of conscious communication is that all the important things in life can be communicated in one out-breath. Take a dim, deep inhale and start talking until you run out of air. That's enough time to say what needs to be said. You get in long discussions, it'll lead to storytelling and drama and all kinds of nonsense. So you sit down, you share your insights, your secrets, your appreciations, your boundaries, you listen to any response they may have and you walk away. So your conversation will include phrases like, I want you to know that I take full responsibility for, or I've never told you that, or I appreciate you for, and I'd like our future contact to be limited to or to look like. You follow me? Short conversation. The other part about this, when you go into a completion conversation, you cannot go in there expecting a response or needing one. This is not about them. This is, is really got nothing to do with them. This is really only about you. It's a one-way conversation. I have no expectation to be understood or to be appreciated or to be agreed with or to be met with likewise ownership. I did this with my ex-fiance about a month and a half after we broke up. You know, I went back. Well, I had a couple of completion conversations with my ex-fiance, but I went back and I explained my part and how I thought our relationship went bad. And she just agreed with me. Yeah, it is all your fault. <laughs> she really did. <laughs> I told her that we had created a codependent dynamic and she said, no, we didn't. I wasn't codependent. You were, which if you understand the word codependence is hilarious. <laughs> 
you can't be one person can't be codependent. It takes two to be co-dependent, right? But she didn't see it. She just agreed that, yeah, I was responsible and I did this and I did that and blah, blah, blah. And I came and picked up a television that was mine that she had and that was a logistical part and I got rid of those genes and different things. And, you know, I felt largely complete at that moment. There was some more to that relationship, which I'll share, you know, um, coming up. But that's... That's the details on how to have this completion conversation. But again, you want to use a lot of caution here. You want to make sure you're ready for this and you're in the right state of mind. It, like Again, if you still are filled with blame or bitterness, you're going to go in there and you're just going to get in a fight, right? So you've got to be completely out of the victim-villain dynamic and completely taking 100% responsibility for what happened. And so that might need you and I to talk. You, you Being complete with a former relationship is so important for your future that you might need to hire me as your coach just to deal with this issue. That's how important it is. Now, I want to wrap up and I want to give you a personal story of how this completion thing happened between me and it involves my current wife, Mary Margaret, and my ex-fiance, Julie, which is not her real name, okay? So everybody else's name in the story is the real name. Julie's name is not her real name, okay? Uh, Just to protect her privacy as much as possible. So I want to share you a completion story of how this can work, how it did work, and how it might work for you. And really the best way for me to do this is I wrote this story in my second book, Attracting Lasting Love, I'm just going to read the story to you from the book because, I mean, I took days and days and days to edit it and write it so it's clear and there's no way I can say it better than how I wrote it, you know, a number of years ago. So listen to this. When I met Mary Margaret, we had some twists and turns in the first couple of months of our relationship. We weren't connecting somehow. We were physically attracted to one another, we enjoyed each other's company, and we were spiritually compatible, but for some reason, she just didn't seem emotionally responsive to me. She seemed a bit shut down and distant. After a number of dates, our relationship fizzled in an awkward and confusing way. Like a car running out of gas, we just drifted to a stop. It was very strange. A week or so after that, I was having a phone session with my client, uh, my coach, Diana, and we realized that I still had some unfinished business with my ex-fiance, Julie. Though it had been 14 months since we had broken up, I still had some negative energy toward her, and Diana said I needed to call her and get complete with this, and I did. My discussion with Julie got kind of heated initially because I played the victim and blamed her for what she did to me. But then I came to my senses, I took responsibility, and I shared my truth with her in accordance with the principles that I've just shared. The conversation ended beautifully with us sharing kind words of gratitude and appreciation for one another. It was actually a sweet moment between us. It felt like a tender exhale. We were complete. A few days after that, I found myself thinking of Mary Margaret. I felt as if we were incomplete as well. And because it went so well with Julie, I decided to call Mary Margaret. And I shared with Mary Margaret 
that I wasn't comfortable with how our relationship had drifted to a stop and that I wanted to meet and get some closure. I had no thought of her and I being a couple again. Really, none whatsoever. Nor did she. In fact, I later learned that she reluctantly agreed to meet with me at all. But when we got together, she was just as I remembered her. We met at a place in Chicago. At the time, it was a place called Cheeseburger in Paradise. Okay, um, It's no longer there, but uh, I still can see her sitting across from me on the table. So when we got there, back to the story here, she was just as I remembered her. Sweet, spiritual, beautiful, and of course, distant. But then, not 10 minutes into our conversation, something strange started happening. Her energy and her demeanor began to change right before my very eyes. Previously, she was walled off and closed. Now she was opening up and coming to life, mysteriously morphing into this playful, warm, sensual, flirtatious, and outright energetic woman. She lit up the room. I was dumbfounded. It was so obvious, I said, what the hell is happening to you? She knew what I was talking about, and she seemed as confused by her shifting energy as I was. I told her that I had no idea what was going on, but that I was having second thoughts about us and was thinking maybe we ought to consider dating again. She beamed. We both did. As we walked toward the restaurant door, this formerly distant woman grabbed my ass right in public, and we ended up making out in her car like a couple of teenagers. We have since talked about that night many, many times. It brings a smile to both of our faces. But it never made sense to me until I connected my completion conversation with Julie to Mary Margaret's Jekyll and Hyde transformation. There was a cause and effect relationship. She had no cognitive awareness that I was still energetically stuck in the past and incomplete with Julie, you know, back when we first met but her body could somehow feel it. Within 10 minutes of sitting and talking with me, again, without knowing I had completed with Julie, she had no idea I had talked to her a few weeks earlier. Her body could feel that I was now fully present and she opened up like a flower. My incomplete relationship with Julie had shut down Mary Margaret's heart. And when I completed with Julie, her body told her that it was now okay to let go and take up residence in my heart, for finally, there was room. The lesson is this. Not only does being complete with former lovers open space in your heart for something new, it can open space in someone else's heart as well. If I had not swallowed my pride and called my ex-fiance to complete our relationship, then the amazing woman I met at that personal growth conference in Chicago, which is where I met Mary and Margaret, I would, never have, I would never have met her. She would have been just a memory and never my wife. I hope this story inspires you to find the courage to take healthy responsibility, give healthy forgiveness, and have a healthy completion conversation. It was the best thing I ever did. End quote. So I want to close up this podcast because it's been a long monster by just saying, do you need to talk to me about this? Do you need some help with the completion stuff? You probably do. 
I only was able to deal with this by having conversations with my coach. I think if we're left to our own, we're going to find excuses, you know, and all kinds of rationalizations about why we should be able to hold on to them or continue being bitter and wanting to kiss them or kill them and why we shouldn't have this conversation and how it will be thrown in our faces and used against us and blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying any of that might not be true, but I am saying if you don't have your heart, if you don't have space in your heart for someone, someone new, then you are sabotaging your ability to attract lasting love. Until next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.